Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights for making money in food. The Edible Alpha podcast is hosted by the Food Finance Institute, where our mission is to help food businesses raise the money they need to grow. Through our podcast, FFI staff talks to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food or farm business. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Edible Alpha podcast. I'm Andy Larson, the farm guy with the Food Finance Institute, and I'm fighting a head cold, so please forgive any sniffs or snorts that may come up today. I am so happy to be here today with Stephanie Schneider. She is with Together Farms and the the not-just-locally-famous Burger Night in Mondovi, Wisconsin. (laughs) Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Can you uh, start out just by giving our listeners a little bit more information how about on where Mondovi is, <laughs> the lay yeah. of the land in the area, and, and, and most especially what your Together Farms does within that landscape? Sure. Okay. So Mondovi is about half an hour south of Eau Claire. We're about two hours from the Twin Cities, uh, three and a half hours from Green Bay, which I know because that's where all of my free babysitters a.k.a. grandparents live, and um, we are, Mondovi is just at the very edge of the Driftless area of Wisconsin, so I think most of your listeners probably know, but the Driftless area is where it gets very steep and hilly because this is where the glaciers did not drift, but one really cool thing about where our farm is is we're right on the edge, so we get to see the beautiful Driftless area, and, and it's part of the farm, but but people don't have to drive on the crazy roads to get here. So, <laughs> so kind of best of both worlds, if you will. Um, and then, so just a little background on our farm. So we um, bought the farm like a shockingly long time ago. It's, it's all a blur. Um, it is the very end of 2009. And we bought the farm very quickly. Uh, it, it, we only had about two weeks to move up here because we were being relocated for my job. At the time, wow. we had an infant. Uh, she was about six months old, Adele. She'll be happy to tell you all about it if you ever come out here. She's my <laughs> little social butterfly. Uh, and then my oldest daughter, Madeline, our oldest daughter, Madeline, she was um, four. So, so we had to find a farm. All we wanted to do is raise our kids in the country, uh, wanted to give them a real life. I have um, undergraduate, graduate degrees that are uh, environmental-based, and so so I had a lot of head knowledge about, you know, feeding ourselves well, uh, what we should be doing. Um, and the kids really gave me the catalyst to, like, make those changes in our everyday life of choosing good food and, and good choices. Um, and so, so there, but even like now, I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe it's always been this way, but when you want to find a rural property with just a little bit of acreage, you know, we were just planning on doing like a little hobby farm thing, couple yeah. chickens, couple pigs, cow, um, there's not much out there. You know, either you're going to find a big fancy house, on a postage stamp of lawn with like tons of outbuildings <laughs> that you have to pay taxes on, or you find a bunch of land, but we couldn't do, we couldn't build our own because we needed to move right now. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, and here it takes more than two weeks to build a house, right? <laughs> yeah, right. It does indeed. Yes. And, uh, and, but so like half the houses, half the properties we looked at uh, the, the, 
the floors had giant holes in them. You know, like either the infant or the toddler is going to die within a week of moving <laughs> to these places. So, so it became okay. real clear what our options were. And this was one of them. And actually, it was a real, real diamond in the rough. But it had been abandoned as a farm um, for many, many years, at least about 10 years. Um, but, of course, there he still had all the farming stuff, you know. So there are many mountains of, of junk and dilapidated equipment and uh, buildings falling over. Uh, and so, so again, when we bought it, it really was just a place to live right now. And we had zero, um, zero I, I even thought of selling meat to people we didn't know. <laughs> or um, And, of course, 100% zero thought of the on-farm agritourism stuff, which we're doing now. So so fast forward a few years, and um, uh, we tried a lot, a lot of things. And the things that stuck, the things that worked well <laughs> with this type of property, and then that uh, was what our customers that we happened to find through various ways, what they wanted uh, was the 100% grass-fed beef. Mm -hmm. and pastured heritage pork, 100% grass-fed lamb. Um, I do meal kits also, which has a little bit of a backstory to it. Um, and then and then our burger night. So we uh, ship every week. Uh, we deliver locally, and then we ship within a two-day UPS ground delivery, uh, so like the middle of the United States. Um, and then we, uh, so we do that every week local and shipping and then that's all through online ordering we do a few farmers markets here and there but uh but our summers so from may through october is spent doing burger nights uh burger nights are our on-farm agritourism events uh we're open thursday friday saturday we feature 100 percent grass-fed beef burgers and then uh, use lard in our fryers. And the reason I bring that up is because <laughs> one of the reasons we decided <laughs> to do burgers and not something like pizzas is because I was drowning in lard and I couldn't figure out how to sell it, how to get it. I started making soap. That's a horrible mental picture. Like, <laughs> yeah, drowning in lard. I mean, it's good for potatoes, but it's not good for people. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what really uh, led us down not doing pizza but doing something different um and of course burgers are great because they focus a little bit more well they focus on meat more right so so you can still have all the diversity and unique combinations and stuff that you can do with pizza um but with burgers and then with fries and cheese curds and all that fun stuff so um so now we do burger night and we're averaging i looked at, recently looked at our numbers and for the last couple of years We've actually been averaging about 500 people a weekend um, on the farm for wow. for just for burger night. So, uh, so COVID, <laughs> there were some silver linings to it, uh, and sure. and it did it did definitely help put us on the map because we are 100% outdoors. So we were one of the few places that was still fully open, um, and where the risk was extraordinarily low for anything being spread or happening. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so that, so, so that actually really, uh, helped a lot of people find us for the first time. <sighs> I guess that's, that's the Ow. gist of it. 
that there's there's a lot to dig into there, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um excellent. Let's let's start out with well, let's start out with the farm and the critters. Tell us a little bit more about your uh, your livestock production. You're certified organic. You're regenerative. You try to incorporate some permaculture, uh, excuse me, permaculture principles into your farming. So, what have you had to do to adapt your your production systems with all these different characteristics to your driftless landscape? Yeah. So, uh, well, so I should say we aren't certified organic. Um, uh, just because uh, I just don't have the time or patience to deal with paperwork. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we are certified right now. Um, and, and one of the things that we also do, because we believe in, you know, transparency and trust and, and building relationships with our consumers. So, so much of our meat still stays very close to us um, that we just don't feel like we need to spend a ton of time and effort into third-party type certifications. I mean, we are American approved and that kind of thing. Okay. But so every Saturday in the summer, we do a farm tour where we take people on the, um, with the tractor on a wagon ride and we show them the animals and we show them the cattle, talk about, you know, where we've been, where we're going, what, you know, what they need to know about the food system and, and what's going on in the world when it comes to meat, which yeah. our tours are going to have to start being five hours long pretty soon. <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, so we still can have a pretty direct um, connection with our consumers. So we don't spend a lot of time on certifications right now, but um, uh, so one of the, the, the biggest challenges, I guess that we've had um, with starting a farm here is, is, 100% grass-fed cattle, pasture pork, you know, it's, it's easy to look up and find videos online of how people are doing it and how you can do your fences. But, but once you start having animals over the winter, and mm. then once you add in, you know, our I don't know, 30%, 40% slope of our, <laughs> of our fields and our hills into the equation, all of a sudden, a lot of the equipment... Um, becomes obsolete because the pigs will just knock it down the hill and it'll roll away. Or, you know, you you can't get it level so that it's not constantly overtopping and creating a water mess and erosion and problems. And so um, so we've actually manufactured, um, like, with, it's good to have friends uh, that have different skill sets <laughs> than you. And one of those skill sets of our friends is that I that everyone should have is a good welding friend, uh, and you so bet. so we worked with our welding friends to um, manufacture some equipment for us that is mobile because we're moving our animals. You know, the pigs we try to move every week, uh, the cattle we move every day, every other day. Um, so we need we need their waters and their mineral feeders and stuff to be mobile by us, but not mobile by the from the animals, right? So, so it makes it pretty tricky to figure some of that out. And we do show people that on the farm tour and stuff too. Some of these things we've we've concocted and come up with, um, so that water doesn't freeze and things don't tip over, and everyone is happy and healthy and and thriving, and still able to, you know, take advantage. Because so the beautiful thing about the driftless is that you have all these different microclimates that are happening. Sure. So 
So yeah. when you start to talk about diversity of diet and um, nutrient density uh, and those types of things, like we have wild hazelnuts growing here, which I, after I listened to Mark Shepard and learned about all the permaculture stuff, <laughs> pretty excited to find hazelnuts growing on our property. Um, right. So, so we have that. You know, you have a sunny side of the hill. You have a shady side of the hill. You have a hot side, a cold side. So, so the flora and fauna that we have here is quite quite amazing. We even did uh, we did a mushroom foray here a couple of years ago. It was at the very end of summer. Like it was not an ideal time for mushroom hunting, but they discovered an entirely new species of mushroom. They, you know, like even though it was a terrible time of the year, um, what they found was was amazing and outstanding and um uh and it just speaks to you know once you once you embrace you know what you have and try to work with it um then it it just becomes so much easier and and things um you know you're not you're not fighting against nature anymore you don't have to buy lots of inputs to make to force things to happen uh, things right. just naturally start to happen. And and so when we first started, like I mentioned, we wanted to do a hobby farm and we wanted it to be for our kids and just for us. And uh, mm-hmm. so we did everything. Like we, we did way too much. But, you know, you're excited and you're young and <laughs> you want to do all the things. <laughs> uh, you don't realize how little time you have yet. <laughs> so so um, so we kind of threw everything at the board, right? And then, and then saw what stuck. And... So and so that's what we're left with. And now what we're doing is now we're at the finally at the place where we're starting to uh, fine tune those things and become more efficient with what we are doing. So are there other farms that do a better job at raising piglets than we do that have better facilities and stuff? Or um, well, with 100% grass-fed cattle, that's really hard. It's very hard to find farms that don't feed calves corn. Um, yeah. Just feed them a little bit of corn, and it's like, well, you know, we can't, we don't want to do that because the world of grass-fed meat gets so, uh, there's so many gimmicks going on in that world that we really want to be able to make the 100% grass-fed claim um, mm-hmm. and not, yeah, not to lose that at all. So that is, so sometimes with some of these things that we're doing, um, it does become very difficult, even if we are not being very efficient at all these different, you know, enterprises, essentially, that we have. Um, we might not be able to find people within, you know, within reasonable distance that we can work with either. Um, so, so we, but that's where we're at now. So we're, we, you know, the big things have kind of fallen off. And now we're just working on doing this, figuring out what we do really well. You know, what are our unfair advantages that we can capitalize on? Um, And what are we doing really inefficiently that we can partner with other farms to help us with? Very good. Yeah, the the unfair advantage language is something that we, you know, try to drill into the heads of a lot of the the farm entrepreneurs that we work with in particular. It's like, take those things that are working in your favor and just and just maximize the capability of those things. The the other thing I love that I've noticed about uh, about you and about a lot of people who are, you know, starting to become they're transitioning out of that beginning farmer phase, you know, the first 10 years as FSA describes it or whatever and yes. and moving into that into that farm manager phase of their life where they re- they've got 
some things dialed in. They the production side is mostly working pretty good, and then they realize they need to be a better HR manager, or a better financial manager, or whatever. And so something I've heard out of several people's mouths is, "All right, we want to be a bigger, better farm, but we want to cut out some stuff." It's a very it's it's been very common from some of my clients. It's like, okay, we're doing too many things. Let's do yeah. fewer things and grow by doing fewer things. Yeah, let's do a couple of things really well and set up everything really average. Well, so you you raise mostly heritage livestock, right? And uh, what are the, what are the things that you feel like you have pretty well dialed in at this point? And is it, what are the things that are still giving you challenges? Oh my gosh, I don't know that there's anything I feel like we're doing really well. I think my I think my strength <laughs> lies in my ability to see everything that we're doing very badly. <laughs> and, and you know, I always want to be getting better and doing things better. Um so I don't know. I I think the uh, I don't know what we're doing well. We show up. We're very we are very determined <laughs> and have a lot of grit, right? Like I I remember the relentless thing was the word said. you used. I like that word, relentless. <laughs> yes, we're very relentless. We persevered through a lot of weather nightmares and setbacks. Um, uh, and so, I don't know. I think we do we do di- direct marketing okay. I, I really don't think I'd say we do anything well. Uh, we direct market it okay. Um, we're doing burger night okay. You know, I. I um, Every single thing has its different challenges and new set of problems. And, and you know, it's funny you mentioned that 10-year thing. So we are at about about the 10-year mark. And I remember when we first started the farm and we met with FSA about an operating loan and buying our first cattle and getting started. Um, they mentioned that, that it's 10 years is considered a beginning farmer. And I'm like, What? That's insane. Ten years, <laughs> like we we better be like on our way at, by ten years. That seems crazy. And now here we are at almost ten years, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it should probably be fifteen years, and you're still a beginning farmer. Especially <laughs> 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 when you're starting from scratch and don't have anything, and you know you're just trying to get going. Um, so, and that is something to mention too. Uh, when we first bought the farm, like I mentioned, it was just a dilapidated old dairy farm that they had quit, quit yeah. milking at least 10 years before we bought it. So there weren't any fences. There weren't any waters, water lines, winter waters, none of that. Um, and so we had to really figure all of that out. And then um, we actually, we were going to um, invest in the house and we were going to, um, cause it's a very small house and, Okay. One one bathroom and many girls, and so uh, <laughs> we were going to expand the house, and then um, this land next door to us came up for sale, and uh, I think this would have been in like 2012, and so then that's when we had to make the decision, like, okay, so how often does the land next door come up for sale, right? And do we want right. to pursue this farm thing, you know, more full time? Um, cause we're going to need more land if we're going to do, you know, the cattle, the grass fed cattle and stuff. And, uh, so then that's kind of when we made the decision to, to put all of our personal 
wants and desires on hold probably indefinitely now that <laughs> see where we're at <laughs> and the kids are going to leave for college in a couple of years. Um, so, you know, are we going to really invest in the farm and in the grass to beef thing and direct marketing? Uh, Cause then we need more land in order for one of us to eventually be on the farm full time. And that, that's what we did. Um, so we bought more land and put the house and everything on hold, which if you ever come to burger night, you'll see, we have this beautiful garage that we built <laughs> we we were literally ready to break ground and and do the big house project and uh and then and then more land came available so we jumped in so but yeah but and wow. that was all corn ground and that's all driftless driftless very steep corn ground um and so okay. then same thing had to put in all the fences all the waters all that stuff and it's it's very very uh expensive there's really no way around it Cattle are expensive, fences are expensive, and and this was also back when I think Buffalo County's fencing maximum through through um, not FSA through NRCS was like right. ten thousand dollars, which you know gets you almost nothing. But yeah, but not that many feet of fences, fence anymore. Yes, <laughs> but uh, and now I think they've increased all that, so that's good. But that was before us. Um, so, so yeah, and um, and then we were going to just do farmer's markets. Um, you know, that's kind of how I think a lot of farms start, you know, that are getting into direct marketing. Sure. Uh, but then it turned out that there were a lot more politics involved with the local farmer's markets than we realized. And mm. uh, and then we couldn't get into it pretty last minute, which, and then, but by that point, we had grown the pigs. We were drowning in meat for summer markets. Um, and so then we got ourselves into a little bit of a pickle and then that's so that's what really pushed us then to go online. So, okay. so all of our setbacks, most of our setbacks, not all of them <laughs> in <laughs> retrospect have ultimately been a good thing because it forced us out of our comfort zone and, um, into a different place that we wouldn't have just naturally gone, you know, unless we were forced to go there. So like, for example, with this farmer's market thing being pulled out from under us, well, that forced us to go online before we would have gone online. Um, and then we kind of beat the curve a little bit uh, with figuring some of that out. I will say uh, that we did try, I, I tried all the platforms. I, I tried WordPress, <laughs> uh, which was such a nightmare for me. To you. I'm not a computer programmer. If I could go back in time, I would go to school for marketing, storytelling, uh, photography, <laughs> all the things that I thought were dumb <laughs> at the time when I was <laughs> at college for my science degrees, right? Um, right. So, uh, so, yeah, so we did try all the platforms, and ultimately, ultimately we have landed um, on, on fully using Gray's card. So we use uh, we use Grace Cart for our online store and then also for our website. Um, and, and I have asked people for help because, again, I don't know what I'm doing with this stuff. Um, and so I try to surround myself with people that know more than me. I will, I will very clearly and definitively say that if this farm has been successful at all, it is despite me and not because of me. <laughs> Usually me getting out of the way to let people who know what they're doing uh, do what they do best. Um, so Fair I, um, 
I have used uh, I have I used Grapevine. Grapevine helped us to really fully develop our website and bring it into something better than it was. Um, they're they kind of specialized. Oh, yeah, in small Grapevine farms. local food marketing. Yes. Yep. So they helped us with um, transitioning from our own website that I was trying to do myself through Squarespace, which uh-huh. I do like Squarespace and that's great and that was good. Um, but they did help us just pull everything into Grace Cards. So it's all in one place and things link together easily. Um, and so so I am grateful for them and for their help um, with getting all that transitioned over. But uh, yeah, I think I went way off track with what your original question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. That's totally okay. Yeah. That's totally okay. Well, so one of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times and really ties in with this kind of digital presence that you were just discussing is that when you go through your website and your social media channels and all that stuff, there's a very, very strong presence for Burger Night. Like this has become really a uh, a thing unto itself. Can you tell us a little bit more about the the origins of of Burger Night, how it got started, how it's changed over the years now that you've been at it for a little while? Um, yeah, so I did realize very quickly uh, I did not want to spend my weekends at farmers markets, which is essentially, you know, standing in a hot parking lot, um, on your weekend, especially, uh, you know, I just left my full-time day job about two years ago. So, uh, so the full-time day job, uh, two young children that that you're trying to spend some time with, um, and then, uh, (laughs) want getting this farm off the ground and then getting burger night off the ground, uh, or the, you know, the air tourism restaurant aspect of the business, um, uh, was a challenge. And so, so I wanted to try to bring people to the farm because what had happened is, remember I said the farm was buried in junk and it was, you know, I didn't think it was anything very special when I looked at it. I mean, it was nice, <laughs> but like, you know, what, nothing great as it's a farm. Well, but we would have people come visit us here and they would be like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful here. Like, what an amazing place that you live at. I was like, is it really? You And you're going, right? Like you, you aren't looking up around you and noticing things like other people. And, and, of course, and still, I just notice everything that's wrong. You know, it, 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 <laughs> but I will say that there are a few occasional nights that are just like pure magic, you know, when the weather is perfect and the music is awesome and everybody is happy and eating and kids are running around like it is. It is. I do notice the magic then, um, but otherwise, I'm mostly just noticing what needs to be better. So, um, <laughs> so you know, once I had people telling me this all the time, and I knew I didn't want to stand in parking lots the rest of my life, and I saw the pizza farm things that were happening, and I thought, you know, I love the concept of the pizza farm. But I hate dough. Like, Doe and I have never had a very good relationship. <laughs> and so, like, I don't want to spend my life dealing with dough. And, and sure. um, But I have all this meat and also pizzas. You know, if you take all the meat off of a pizza or toppings, like, there's not a lot there, right? And I would like to do something that puts the meat a little more forward, 
right? It's okay. more of a focal point. And then, like I mentioned, I have all this lard. What do I do with all yep. of this pig fat? <laughs> so so um, once I found out that you can use lard in fryers for making french fries and cheese curds, <laughs> and there was no looking oh! back. It was like, okay, we're doing burgers. That feels it. I mean, burgers can be just as versatile as pizza, just as unique as fun toppings. Um, yeah, so, so then that's when the idea of Burger Night was born. Um, and then, um, and then it was just about figuring it out. So my, neither my husband, Andy, uh, nor I have any farming experience. We did not grow up on farms. Uh, I don't know anything about farms, which is, you know, on the one hand, there's pros and cons to it, right? So the pro is that we don't have any bad habits. Um, right. So we don't need to unlearn anything. Uh, but then also you can spend forever just trying to figure out what you should be doing. You know, you got to spend a lot of time and effort in learning just how to do it. And then you make a lot of expensive mistakes, right? Things that mm. you maybe wouldn't have done if you had a little more just general farming experience. But sure. for the most part, our mistakes were, you know, four digit mistakes and not five or <laughs> six digit mistakes. So that's good. <laughs> um, but um, let's see. So so we don't have farming. Fail fast and cheap, also, right? That's one of those business truisms, right? Fail fast and cheap. <laughs> yes, and then exactly, adapt. Yeah. yeah, although I'm not sure there's a lot you can do with farming that's cheap <laughs> when it comes to livestock. <laughs> um, but I Fair think, point. you know, like we, we did not put our winter water, like our permanent infrastructure, we waited as long as possible uh, to put that stuff in. And even some of that we had to rip out um, about a year, two years ago, because, you know, being mm. in the Driftless region, it's like all hills. So we don't have, we have very little lawn space and we need to figure out how to expand our lawn space for all the people that come to Burger Night. Um so we did have to rip out some of our infrastructure, but we couldn't have foreseen that, right? So, so right. that's a learning experience. That's just a growth experience. But, um, but we also have zero restaurant background or restaurant experience. Um, so we did have to learn everything for that. And it, and I mean, you know, if you look back at all of this, it's just kind of like miracle after miracle that's happened to kind of keep us going. Is how I see it. Um, but what happened is that we had several farm-to-table restaurants that all of a sudden opened up all at the same exact time in Eau Claire. Okay. And they started buying meat from farms like us, and we got to be friends with all these restaurant people that we did not, you know, we didn't know otherwise. We didn't know anything about restaurants or chefs or cooks or any of that stuff. Um, and, and these restaurant people were so... Um, kind and nice and wanted to see us succeed um, that they helped us with uh, so what we did is I think it was 2017 we did kind of a test run year of uh, let's just let's just try burger night a little bit and see if it's a good idea to invest you know hundreds of thousands of dollars into all the equipment and people and everything we're going to have to do to open it full time like the bank's Banks don't like giving out money for build it and they will come, <laughs> you know, type of things that have <laughs> never been done before, right? Like, I know pizza farms exist, but we need, like, 
we need like a full kitchen to do burgers. I need to have burger like, like with pizzas, you can just build a pizza oven, right? Like you can just build a wood fired pizza oven. Sure. You don't have to have vent hoods. You don't have to have a commercial kitchen space. You can just build one in your backyard. And it's, and that's one reason I think they've been so popular is it's a very low entry cost, you know, to kind of okay. start it up. <laughs> but we are involving fryers and vent hoods and, and flat tops and things, words I don't even know, you know, <laughs> before, <laughs> before we started any of this. And so, uh, so we actually worked with, um, some of these chefs that we met through these farm to table restaurants and they, um, helped us do a test run. So from our local government, we were able to get, um, some permits that allowed us to be open, kind of like for the for the county fair, they give the hot dog stands these temporary food permits. Uh, so she would give us a maximum of, of three of them that first year, uh, each two weeks long. So we were able to be open six weekends that first year, and we just had we just used a grill uh, and we used a fryer, one fryer outside, um, and we tried it and saw how it went, and it was pretty slow going that first set of weekends. And then, and then <laughs> I was woken up by a thunderstorm and I thought, all right, well, I guess I'm going to putz around on Facebook for a little while. And I happened <laughs> to see, um, that travel Wisconsin, wait, is that the name of it? Um, the Wisconsin food, no, Wisconsin foodie, uh, Wisconsin foodie had put a post out and it said, who is your favorite burger? We want to do a burger feature. So I told him, I said, well, together farm with their burger night on their farm. Like there's nothing else like it that we know of in the state, <laughs> maybe even the country. So, so that piqued his interest. And, uh, and Wisconsin foodie actually came out and did an episode about us, um, during our second set of weekends. Uh, and that, aired in that, that following winter. So then once Wisconsin foodie came out and they were like, this is a cool thing you guys are doing. We were like, okay, maybe this is a cool thing that we're doing. <laughs> maybe we should <laughs> invest the money into doing this. Right. Cause we didn't know. And it was such a scary thing to do. Um, so them coming out then is what really solidified to us. It was a good idea. And well, uh, validation never hurts. Okay. Does it? no, and then, and then what else is amazing about that is it really helped us that first year to be able to cash flow, you know, all these new investments and payments and everything we had taken on. So, so that is how um, Burger Night kind of got started. Cool. And now, and now it is morphed to a thing with 500 people a weekend. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. If the weather cooperates, then we get, yes. we get really fantastic turnouts. Mm-hmm. And, and cooking yeah, in, a, in a certified kitchen and a trailer, correct? Yeah. So um, so to keep our startup costs as low as possible, um, we we had a food truck custom built for us. Um, it's not actually cool. a food truck. We didn't want to have to deal with another motor or anything like that. So it's just a trailer. Uh, yep. And then, you know, and then, um, and the trailer is actually bigger, you know, now that I know more about kitchens and stuff. Um it is bigger than some of the kitchens in in Eau Claire. So it's not like a super teeny tiny food <laughs> truck. Um, our health department has, our county health department has also been fantastic to work with. Uh, they let us build out 
part of our garage to be, you know, kind of the, the I call it the base room, but um, auxiliary based kitchen that food trucks are required to have. Um, so, okay. so we have been very fortunate to have a, um, a county that really wants to see us succeed. In fact, the way that we were able to finance, because um, I know you want to talk about money a little bit. We'll <laughs> the get there. We were able yeah, to definitely. Finance our food truck, our kitchen, uh, was actually through a revolving loan fund uh, from our county because we were creating jobs. And so we were able to get a low interest loan from them uh, to help fund some of the startup costs. And, uh, and then the rest, you know, has been just cash flow from the business itself, which I, like I said, Wisconsin Foodie really helped um, us not have to help put the marketing a little bit ahead of the whole, you know, marketing cart a little bit ahead of the horse <laughs> that first year. Uh, and then, um, and then my husband is still uh, off the farm full time um, mm-hmm. with his income. So we are still ten years later. We are still uh, subsidizing the farm with some off farm income. Uh, but we hope if things don't go too weird over the next year or two with <laughs> inflation and all of the things, uh, we do hope to have him on the farm full time in about two years. So that's the goal. Now, is, so bringing him on the farm full time, it's going to be a, a revenue question. It's going to be, you know, a number of different questions that make, you know, the transition from off-farm work back to, to full-time on the farm work possible. So, but the thing that you also mentioned is is reducing the number of enterprises. So the growth that you are going to need to experience in order to bring a second full-time person on the farm, is that going to come through Burger Night? Is that the plan? Or is there other irons in the fire that you're planning? No, it, so so I do have a few other irons in the fire because it wouldn't be me without having a few <laughs> irons in the fire. Too many things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, too many things. Uh, but, um, oh, I mean, number one is that we will be able to utilize the resources we already have on the farm more efficiently. Because right now, okay. you know, it's still just kind of a nights and weekends thing. And on the weekends, because staffing is so hard to find for burger nights, so... So my darling husband often has to uh, become a burger cook or a fry cook, which he didn't know he would be doing at this point in his life, but he's very happy about it. Just just ask him. <laughs> uh, so sometimes uh, he has to be doing that also on the weekends. And so, um, so there are things on the farm now uh, that we are not doing as well as we could be doing. But, but one of the big things, one of the, my irons in the fire, um, is that is that we did lose two of our uh, hay storage buildings. We lost one several years ago to crazy the crazy snow lows when everyone in this part of the state, especially, was having barns collapse, roofs collapse. Yeah, uh, we did lose we did lose one of our hay storage buildings, and then um, and then we lost our second or two of two one this past December. We lost to some high wind. Um, so what we're going to do is try to be optimistic about this because, (laughs) uh, because insurance is wonderful, um, uh, (laughs) unless you need them to cover something, uh, and they're not always so great. So apparently, you know, these types of buildings, these, um, um, like circular half circle type buildings, they don't cover, 
Uh, and so we weren't able to get any insurance coverage on them. But what we're going to do is we're going to instead build one bigger building and we're going to leverage uh, some money we can get through SBA, the Small Business Association, um, with the EIDL loans. Um, yes. so we're going to use that to build a build a new building that's going to be hay storage, but also more winter housing for the pigs. So like I said, we had to rip up some of our infrastructure, and the infrastructure we had to tear out was winter pig housing and uh, waterers. And so yeah. now we want to rebuild that, but build that in a new building that also doubles as hay storage. And then have a scale in there and have handling systems in there <laughs> so that uh, so that the whole labor side of things is more efficient and we're able to, you know, um, better sort pigs and better have a bit more consistent final product because you know, we can know their weights and, and do a better, you know, not be eyeballing it, that kind of thing. So so there are some efficiency things that we can start doing immediately if he can get on the farm full time. Um, okay. But then, and we can also just kind of um, uh, get our heads above the water a little bit from this from this daily grind, right? So, so for the past 10 years, we've just had our heads down and we're plowing forward. We're we're seeing what's working. We're listening to our customers. We're trying to give them what they want and, and what, you know, trying to figure out what people want to buy and then giving them that. Um, yeah. But sometimes you, you, that's all you have time for, right? And then, and then you got to feed the kids and get them to school <laughs> and make sure nobody dies. Uh, and then you come in the house and then you sit down and then you fall asleep. So the last thing you have time to do is create a um, mission statement for your farm or a right. you know, five-year <laughs> cash flow plan. Uh, you know, those things Those things just become less and less important because you're focused on the urgent and the in-your-face and um, the things that have to get done. So being able to have him on the farm, too, would give us a little more breathing room and a little more a little more time together um, to work on the business and really, you know, get our, get our heads above the, above the, I don't know, the, not above the clouds. <laughs> just, above the fray. Above just the water. Constant... Yes. yes. <laughs> we're just kind of spreading water right now to keep the businesses alive and moving forward. And so then we can get to the point where we're managing the businesses and we're not just, you know, working inside the businesses and then i'm hoping yes. we'd be able to hire he'd be able in a better place to be able to train some staff and have staff helping him um yeah so so there are immediate things that we can do um to become more efficient uh, and then of course then it's about seeing opportunities um so so the, it would give him the the time and and the ability to even just see uh, what are we not what are we not using well uh, that we could be you know as far as infrastructure uh, time like what things are being wasted right now that we could capitalize on just to mm. become more and more efficient uh, and then and then the big thing that we do very poorly um, and I know this is a financial financial thing but um i really don't do money very well <laughs> so 
so, That's a so pretty broad really, category. <laughs> yeah. Uh, farmers um, should definitely marry somebody who is good at numbers and finances. I do highly recommend that. And that is not... That's not what I did because I didn't know we were going to be farmers. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so managing the money side of things has been, again, more of a reactive and less proactive. Well, one of the things that you mentioned, Stephanie, was the working on the businesses, plural, right? And so when you say businesses, you, you mentioned earlier to me that uh, Burger Night is its own separate business entity. Tell me a little bit about that decision to separate Burger Night from the farm. Yeah, so we have Burger Night is set up under its own uh, business name, its own LLC. Uh, and then the farm is its own, like the, so the way we kind of categorize things is growing the meat is its own LLC, raising the raw product. Uh, and then doing anything to it, so any of the value-added aspects of it, uh, is under the Burger Night, the other LLC. Um, and then we do have a third one, uh, which is my <laughs> husband, who uh, is self-employed as a carpenter contractor. So he is also his own uh, woodworking uh, LLC. <laughs> so, um, so the way we used to do things, because remember, all of this was pretty accidental. So it all just kind of happened slowly. Uh, you know, you're just going along and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, I, you know, we're like a triple, triple digit business here. Uh, like we should maybe be managing this more like a business <laughs> and less like a hobby, right? Oh, <laughs> shoot. We're a business. <laughs> How did that yeah. happen? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We just keep moving one step in, you know, one foot in front of the other. And here we are. <laughs> um, so. So then, um, but by that point, everything was really mixed together. You know, it was all the finances were just a big jumbled mess. And then, um, and we did go, like I said, we went to all the conferences. We took all the trainings, all the classes. Um, we did all the things. We knew everything we should be doing, but it is really hard for either of us to, like, update Excel spreadsheets you know, like on a regular basis where it's actually helping you make decisions. Um, so then that just never really happened. Um, and we did keep trying though. <laughs> but then I read, I read the book, uh, profit first. Uh, I started following, uh, Dave Ramsey. Oh, his entre leader. Uh, I, I started following, um, that and listening to those podcasts and things. And, okay. um, I read the profit first book. And in there, it, it kind of teaches you to do, like, essentially like an, uh, like an envelope system, but, uh -huh. the, but the envelopes are your different bank accounts. So once my first winter on the farm after I got out of the day job, because uh, my day job, I was busy. My busy time was during the winter, and so it was hard to ever catch up with stuff uh, right. prior, you know, prior to that. So... Um, so then about two years ago, I was able to sit down and really get all of our finances divided out. Um, and so, so what I developed is this system where we have um, like an income account for all of the different businesses. Uh, so whenever mm -hmm. we get any kind of deposit, 
It goes into that business's income account. And then every week I go into it and I have different percentages that I use for the different businesses as to how much money then I need to move from income into an operating expenses account, like our checkbook account, and then Mm -hmm. how much I need to move into our owner's draw account, and then how much into profit and how much into taxes. Um, Because once Burger Night started and we started getting, you know, these big cash influxes, but Uh part of that cash belonged to the government. And if I didn't pay the government that money, (laughs) you know, they put me in jail. So like that. Oh yeah. That, a that's a motivator. good disincentive right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To like not spend their money. But so then I got, I can't have everything going into one free for all checking account. Cause if anybody knows anything about farms, if a farm sees money, it'll find a way to spend it. Right. So <laughs> I need to, I need to hide as much as I can. So, so then I have all of our tax money and our profit money. Um, goes into a different bank, you know, that's kind of out of sight and out of mind until I have to do my quarterly taxes and, and do all my stuff. So uh, so that has worked really beautifully for us to have the businesses split into different, different um, financial baskets. Uh, but then, of course, we also needed to split them apart for insurance purposes. Um, so, sure. so insurance has been... Um, has been interesting. It's been um, it, everything we're doing. Is, uh, we're like the first ones to do it, and we're the first ones to ask all these companies to help us. And so, so then they don't know. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so everything's been a little difficult. Uh, but, but the fear is that somebody is going to get hurt at Burger Night. Or mm-hmm. something could happen. Because, I mean, when you have all of these people from the general public coming out to your farm and they're drinking alcohol. Now, I have very responsible licensed bartenders, so we're not over-serving people, to our knowledge, of course. Sure. <laughs> um, but who knows, right? And then um, I do find cans and bottles that are not from us sometimes. So, you know, you can't watch oh. everything everybody's doing it all the time. So right. there's always a certain amount of risk. So you have alcohol, you have children, you have a farm, um, you just have people running around and having fun, right? And so, um, so, so if something happens to someone, I don't want them to be able to take our entire farm. Now, some days I want them to be able to take our entire farm, but not most days. <laughs> most days I would like them to keep, you know. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so just from a risk management standpoint, um, we wanted to divide the businesses up so that they were very, so that on paper and in real life, um, they would be seen as a very different businesses and wouldn't, yeah, we wouldn't, you know, the farm business wouldn't be held liable for a kid breaking their arm on the swing set at Burger Night, which happened last year um right yeah uh so so some of that risk actually last year was a very interesting year we actually had three people get hurt all 100 percent not our fault not due to any negligence on our part just Mm -hmm. three totally separate totally weird accidents that happened um 
But, you know, my insurance guy did point out that because our because what we're doing is so different and so unique, the insurance company is kind of taking a little bit of a risk, right, by taking us on because they don't really know what they're getting into because what we're doing is so different. Uh, okay. And so if we were to have a claim, that would probably put us in some pretty dangerous territory to get totally dropped altogether by our insurance. And if we had two claims, he said, you would probably most definitely get dropped. Uh, and of course, I don't oh. want to operate Burger Night without having some kind of um, umbrella coverage, risk, you know, risk mitigation. Uh, and so, so I don't know what we, you know, I, I don't think we could operate. Just I don't know that the agritourism, you know, we do have the big official sign, you know, at our driveway when people come in that says, you know, this is an agritourism event. We're not held liable for anything that happens to you. You're you're on a farm. It's risky. Um, but yeah. also, you know, who knows if somebody's kid gets seriously injured, like how much weight does that really hold? So, mm-hmm. so there's, you know, so I do worry about that. Fair enough. Okay. But I think we've done what we can do to mitigate that risk. I don't know. So who, I want to ask about a marketing question, uh, who, who comes to Burger Night and how do they find you and how do you get them to come back? Like the audience question. Tell me a little bit about that side of it, if you would. Sure. Okay. So, um, so let's see, I used to know these numbers a little bit better. We did do a big survey shortly after we opened to see kind of where people were coming from. But I would say at this point, it's probably uh, 60% pretty local people, uh, and okay. then 40% is um, further away. So not, you know, not what I would consider within, I would consider probably like 45 minutes um, drive from here to be local. Uh, so people outside of that, I would say, yeah, 30 to 40% per- for sure. Um, but it also depends a little bit on the marketing that's happening at the time. So, so like after the Wisconsin foodie episode aired, we had tons of people from Milwaukee and Madison, um, coming up for burger night. And then last year we did have a really great, this beautiful article that was written about us in the Milwaukee journal, um, about how great burger night was. And then we had people driving out all the way from Milwaukee just for burger night and like making a big trip out of it. We also Which is some distance away, right? Like that's a that's a long haul. That's a long haul. Yeah, Milwaukee has got to be a minimum of three hours, three to four hours away. Wow. Um, and then we're kind of between Milwaukee or Chicago and the Twin Cities. So we do also mm-hmm. have people that will meet up at the farm, Um either meet friends from the cities or on their way to the cities uh, or that kind of thing. We're only, only about two hours away from the Twin Cities. And now, I, you know, we did do our due diligence by visiting a lot of the pizza farms and a lot of other on-farm agritourism events before we opened Burger Night. Um, and we did notice that there are some farms that are much, much closer to the cities who, when you, when you go there, I mean, you only see 
even though the farm's in Wisconsin, it's all Minnesota license plates. Um, yeah. But I think that we are just, you know, we're like half an hour too far for us to ever become, you know, kind of like a city's hangout or where, you know. Okay. And I think that's one of the things people really like about us is that when you come here, uh, you are bound to run into someone you know. <laughs> and so it kind of makes it a little more endearing, a little more, you know, community, um, local. You know, it just kind of helps you put your roots down a little bit because we do get, um, we do have a lot of people that are locals that come here. And then, yeah, and then, but sometimes people people run into people they know that are not from around here, which is funny. Um uh, but yeah, so so it's a very big mix uh, of people. We do get um, a lot of families uh, because I do try to offer a lot uh, for children to do. Um, uh-huh. I don't know that this is a secret, but I like to say it's my little secret is I try to keep the children as happy as, and as entertained as possible so that mom and dad can relax and feel like they're having a good time and they're not stressed out yelling at their, you know, six year olds <laughs> to sit down in the booth and be quiet because everybody's looking at us. You know, so, uh-huh. so I, I resemble this have, remark. I understand yeah. where you're coming from here. <laughs> right. If you got three little boys, I don't know that there's any restaurants that you can really go out to and have an enjoyable time. Right. So, <laughs> but you can come here and, you know, the whole property is fenced in except for the driveway. So the odds that the kids are going to run away are pretty low. <laughs> You'll probably find them at the end of the night. But so then mom and dad can have fun and spend money and not feel like they got to be in a rush to leave. And, you know, and then, and then I think because they have a good experience, um, we do get a lot of people uh, that are returning customers, for sure. Excellent. Um, I did launch, last year I launched a loyalty rewards club um, to try okay. to do something to further support the locals that come out, you know, and, and support us. And so so I have that um I have that built up. I didn't want to do something where it's like $5 off of $50, right? Because they're coming here to spend money and I want to give them, I want to give them value. Um, uh-huh. So, so instead I reward them with free meat and I give them t-shirts and swag and a secret menu that the other people don't know about. And um, <laughs> I love that. It's things. like in an out burger yeah. in California, right? Yes, right, where you feel like you are part of our family, right? Like you're part of the the insider the club. club. And that's how I want people to feel when they come here. Like you're not going to a fancy restaurant or like you're just going to your friend's house, your friends that own a farm, and you're just going to go eat a burger with them and have a beer and relax and talk about how much you hate the weather. If, if the weather is doing what it's doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that we're doing a um, – a pretty good job of that. I don't know. Okay. And so one of the things that you're looking to do is and from our conversation before is like capture a little bit more from each person that yeah. comes to the farm, give them the opportunity to meet more of their needs and wants at your farm when they come out for burger night. Talk a little bit more about how you're going to 
capture a little bit more value with each customer that comes to your place? Yeah, so a lot of people that come to the Farm for Burger Night do not know that we sell meat, um, which I guess on the one hand, that means that my marketing department for Burger Night is doing a really great job, but my marketing <laughs> department for the farm probably should get fired, right? And um, which both are me. And so, and I, uh, so um, but yeah, it's because we don't have like a farm store space. You know, we just have our old milk house with some freezers in it. Like it's not very obvious or inviting um, and it's easy to walk right past it despite all the signs and everything that we have. So, so we are also leveraging again, the, the small business, uh, EIDL loan um, to build a new building that is desperately, desperately needed. This farm, uh, some farms, you know, are, come with outbuildings that can be retrofitted or things that can be done. Sure. But, but we really only had the farm. All the other buildings um, had had to get torn down. Um, but so right now, so that means right now, like when we we have our weekly. Um, shipping and local delivery orders and stuff, we're doing all of that outside. You know, no matter the wind, no matter the, the rain or snow or whatever, like, we only oh, have outside to do everything. And um, and then, of course, we have our tiny house that never got remodeled. <laughs> so, so then we also have all of our office stuff, you know, our only uh, temperature-controlled storage is all in the house. So we desperately need a new building. Um, I am grateful, though, that we didn't build a building two years ago when we had first talked about it because because we would have built it um, too small and not with enough potential for growth. So after we okay. saw COVID, after I, I've learned from other farms um, in very similar situations, um, you now we are building the space to... Uh, expand in the future and then also um have like shipping receiving you know things that yeah i just was seeing it as a farm store before but now i'm seeing it as this entire multi-purpose building that we can build up so when we build this new building in the spring it's all it's all set up to to start moving forward here as soon as the road bands go off um so once we build this new building um then I want to, people will be forced to walk past it because it's right, it's right where the parking lot is and they have to walk past uh -huh. in order to come to Burger Night. Um, so then we'll fill it with things like ice cream and uh, spices and sauces and rubs, things that enhance our meats or that go well with our meats. Um, uh -huh. And then, of course, there's lots of local things like honey and maple syrup. Um, there's a lot of really great local producers, you know, where we can feature their products a little bit more and in a better way than we are now. Uh, we actually applied for a um, Buy Local by Wisconsin grant that would help us build out this space a little bit for to be able to showcase products from other Wisconsin farms uh, and mm -hmm. also create a space for them to sample their products. You know, anything I can do to help entice People to go inside of the store, meet other makers and producers from our local area, see the cool things they're doing. And, oh, by the way, you can also order our products because, yes, we do sell meat. 
<laughs> like, in case you didn't know, uh, we do sell meat and we sell it year round and we deliver it right to your door every single week. And so, you know, here's a coupon for your first online order. And so hopefully we can turn some of these very seasonal customers um, into year round customers that can help us with cash flowing and with hiring staff, uh, just kind of leveling out, you know, some of the highs and lows that we have right now with staffing and, and yeah, supply. staff love to have full-time year round jobs, right? And they're, that's, that's yeah. hard to do when you're a seasonal business. It is very hard to do. Yes. Uh, but I think this could be one of those other big steps we could take to help us. And then everything would be in one place. You know, I wouldn't have to, <laughs> I wouldn't have to train people like, oh, now you got to go in the house to get this. And then you got to go in the garage to get the box. And then you got to go in the farm store in the milk house to get the meat. You know, it would be very streamlined. <laughs> and again, just, just really help us build efficiency into our system because, because uh, that's what we're kind of missing right now by not having, by not having some of these spaces. And then, you know, I mean, how could, how could these people not spend a little bit of money in the farm store, right? So, like, I'd have to believe <laughs> that we would see a little bit um, of an income jump. How much, for sure, is a little bit hard to say, but um, yes, but there would have to be something. Yeah. So. Yep, so the, the farm store is a new building going up this year, and then the, the hay storage pig building um, we're hoping to have up then by the end of the year in time for winter. Okay, and then somewhere on your wish list a little bit further on uh, is, is renovating the house, right? We'll see. It's like any good Wisconsin <laughs> farm family, when does that actually get done, right? Um, Not until the kids leave, and then you're like, what kind of fence is that anymore? I don't know. <laughs> Might as well buy more fencing materials, right? <laughs> well, and so it sounds like you've used a um, a pretty varied route for the financing purposes in growing the farm from a, you know, a, a dilapidated old dairy farm and a couple people per weekend to a, you know, a beautiful destination where 500 people show up and all that. You've mentioned... Uh, the FSA, you've mentioned the NRCS, uh, you've mentioned Buy Local, Buy Wisconsin grants. Um, you, you haven't just had like one relationship with one local financial institution and that's, that's done. It's, you've, you've had a, a lot of um, other sources of financing as well. Has that, you know, is there any other stuff that, that needs to be mentioned as far as, you know, the financing that you've used to grow this farm and things that have worked well for you? Are there things that you would still like to see in the mix in the future if you had your druthers from a financial standpoint? Yeah. Okay. So the number one thing, if I was given a million dollars today, uh, which I mean, if anybody's listening, you know, you can mail checks to me. That's fine. <laughs> I would hire, <laughs> make them Here's be able the to get their farms. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if I had a million dollars today, I would, I would hire, um, a bookkeeper slash accountant. Uh, that would be one of my first hires. That's one of those things. It's, it's expensive. Um, and it would be, you know, it's an ongoing monthly expense, which gets hard. Yeah. It's fine in the summer, but in our lean winter months, it's hard to cash flow um, some of those expenses. Uh, um, but that would be, a, you know, if we could have a better, if we could have our finger on the pulse of our financials every month, 
where we can be reviewing things and adjusting and pivoting and, uh, you know, again, that whole efficiency thing, maximizing yes. opportunities. Um, uh, that, that, I think that would be our best money well spent. Um, oh, and then some of the funding I, I didn't talk about, too, is uh, we did get a value-added producer grant, um, and that, that grant really helped um, some of the farm stuff uh, with, like, uh, getting some of our marketing off the ground. Um, mm. <laughs> I really wish I could have that money back now that I know so much more about marketing. Um, <laughs> really, really wish I could respend that, that money. But, you know, it's all part of the learning curve. Um, and But that's what helped us then cash flow uh, bringing me onto the farm full time. Um, so without that grant, I, we wouldn't have been able to do it. That's, that's what really was able to push me here full time. And then I was able to then be here so that I could grow, um, burger night and get that off the ground a little bit better. Um, and so, and then we also did work with Compere. I don't know if we mentioned them or not, but that Compere, um, helped us get our land mortgage. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's really been really been a mixed bag um of of where the money has come from um and then otherwise yeah now we're just really trying to focus on well <laughs> until these buildings are built i can't really say this i guess but <laughs> but we are trying to focus on, on on paying down some debt and you know <laughs> getting getting um our cash flow in a little bit of a healthier place uh, especially in the winter of course Got it. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Well, um, you can, <laughs> and I don't know if you want mm. to, but you can apply for multiple value-added producer grants if you ever want to do another one in the future. Maybe that's the one that brings hubby home full-time. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, it could be. It could be. I need to figure out a way to get this kitchen to be a year-round kitchen and get some get some year-round agritourism, but but yeah, not, that's not easy. It's buildings are just so expensive. And, you know, that's one of the things with grants is grants do not ever pay for buildings. And, uh, right. And sometimes that, that can be the space that you really desperately need in order to, to, yeah, really, really fix some problems. But, um, I, I would say the one other thing from on the farming side of things that I really loved I really wish we would have done and learned about sooner uh, was ranching for profit. Uh, the ranching ah. for profit group um, and executive link it, um, that really helped us with shifting some of our, our paradigms um, about, you know, enterprise, what enterprises are um, and, and kind of, yeah, understanding overheads and yeah, just some of these things that that you know, you know, like you know these things, but sometimes you need people to really tell you in a direct way what that you're being dumb with something that you're doing, but you can't see it because you're in it, right? You can't see it and how it, like the bad decisions you're making. Uh, you know, one of the things that they say is like you can always see, you can always know what your neighbor should be doing right like it's easy for you <laughs> to look at your neighbor's farm and be like well they just need to do this well <laughs> okay but when you're the neighbor and you're in it like 
sometimes that's not obvious at all because of all of the things going on around you. And so, so that was one of the really cool things about doing uh, their executive link program where you're, you're teamed up with farms that are maybe similar to yours, um, but maybe not, but they are there as an accountability board to tell you, to help you solve your, help you think through your problems and solve them in a way where, you know, group think versus individual think when it comes yeah. to problem solving. Um, so, so that, that is a group I would love to, um, again, once, once we are Andy's on the farm full time and we're a little bit more heads above water, I definitely want to, um, go back to ranching for profit and really working on the business and, and doing some of the accountability group stuff a little bit more. Yeah. So that I would a highly of, recommend of... for any farmer's other outside brains that can remind you that you can make more money by not doing something if that thing yes, just, if, if right. that thing happens to be losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and once you get to the ten year mark, you know, once you're kind of burnt out and you have other things you want to do in your life besides working in your business twenty four seven, sometimes being told that you know if this enterprise is losing money. You can just stop doing it, and you'll make more money. <laughs> like you work what? harder, not harder. <laughs> that whole concept. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. But you just get so into your habits and the things you're doing that you just can't even see some of those simple things sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Enterprise analysis, y'all. That's it's it's That's an important right. thing to do when you're on the farm. Well, uh, Stephanie, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today. You've gave us some really great insight into not only your farm, but some of the things that people can, even if they don't have a farm background, can learn to uh, pick up and make habits for their management of their own enterprises, both from a finance standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a creativity standpoint. I think you guys have a really uh, lovely future before you in terms of the farm and of Burger Night and all these other wonderful things that you're choosing to pursue. So thank you so much for your time and for being with us today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha and the Food Finance Institute by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.